This Dharma talk by John Sutherland Roshi, Freedom's Body One, was given at Springs Mountain Sangha in Colorado Springs, Colorado, on October 14, 2009. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. Good evening. So, Freedom's Body. Um, in re koans, which is what we're talking about tonight. And um, I want to say something really obvious, but that might have escaped your attention up till now, which is that the koans are full of bodies. There are talking bodies and walking bodies and sleeping bodies and dreaming bodies and male bodies and female bodies and old bodies and newborn bodies and sick bodies and dying bodies and all kinds of bodies doing all kinds of things all the time. Did you notice that? (laughs) It's really, really important because it's not enough to have an intellectual or a psychological engagement with the koans. You have to have an engagement at the level of the body. You have to um, imagine your way into the bodies that are in the koan and the body of the koan itself. Um, when when I was early in my in my koan training, I was having that difficulty that a lot of people have, where you just think I can't I can't get in. I don't know how to get in. I don't see the I don't see the entrance. I don't see what this has to do with me. And um, and I was working on a koan that was um, um, why can't the man of great strength lift up his leg? And I just you know for the life of me could not figure out what that had to do with me or anything else, and I couldn't get in. And then um, my teacher made a very subtle and far-reaching change, which was, why can't the woman of great strength lift up her leg? And just by changing the gender, suddenly that koan was mine. I could, I could walk right into that koan, get inside it, and understand it. So it's tremendously important to make that move, to really make the koans ours, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Because the next thing that has to happen, which is what does naturally happen, I think, is once you're the woman of great strength, you can be anything. You no longer have to translate it into your own terms anymore. You can be the old Chinese guy or the newborn baby or the donkey or the oak tree in the garden or whatever the koan presents. But that movement is really important, that you're not bringing everything in the koan to you and to your own terms, but instead that you're going out to... um, to become what the koan invites you to become. So in what you were just saying, there, was a, there were many beautiful things, and one of the beautiful things was um, the difference in how you describe the self. Do you describe the self as, wow, well, I'm feeling great this morning because I got a really good night's sleep, <clears throat> and then I got that nice phone call, and you know the news and the stock market's good today. Or do you describe the self, and this is also describing the self, and this is really important, as the air is fresh, the wind is crisp, the the sun is warm. That's also a way of describing the self. And it's tremendously important to be able to move from, I got a great night's sleep and I feel great, to the sun is warm, the air is fresh, and to know 
that both of those are ways of describing the self. And that's what the koans can give us, is that sense of the larger self, the impersonal self, in the best sense of impersonal, the larger than the personal self. And, um, and I'll talk some more about that over the next few nights. So if, if we um, have a koan like one about Dungshan when he's um, sick, and he gets asked, you know, and this is from the teacher's perspective, I'm, I sort of empathize with Dungshan, who's re- really, really sick. He was actually in his final illness, and someone comes to him and says, So, when you're really, really sick, is there someone who's not sick? And I <laughs> could understand the impulse to just go, <laughs> you know, but he doesn't. He's, he says, Yes, there is. When, you're, when I'm really, really sick, there is, there is also someone who's not sick. And the, the monk asks kind of what I think would be the obvious question, is the one who's not sick taking care of the one who's sick? And Dungshan says, no, when I am sick, I am taking care of that one who is not sick. That's a really mysterious, beautiful thing. When I am sick, and really sick, being sick all the way through to the bottom, I am taking care of that one who is not sick. That bit of the dharmakaya, that bit of the vastness of the eternal that lives in me. I'm taking care of it. But I think in order to really understand that koan, you have to be willing to be sick all the way to the bottom. You can't figure it out. You can't work it out intellectually. You have to go to what you know about sickness, what you've experienced about sickness, and find that place in your own experience where being sick is taking care of the eternal. So um, this is by way of encouraging you to be the bodies in the koans, to let the koans in the bodies be you. And don't limit yourself by silly little inconsequential things like gender or age or continent or century or sentience or non-sentience. Be the non-sentient bodies in the koans. That's really important, too, to know what that is. And then come into relationship with the body of the koan itself. And by that I mean each koan is itself a being. Each koan is a body, a spirit, a soul. And if you sit openly enough and with enough kind of perseverance and sincerity with a koan like, no, or what is the sound of one hand, they will start breathing. (laughs) They will breathe. And the breathing of no is different than the breathing of the sound of one hand is different from original face. Each one has its own way of breathing. And if you can be open enough and sincere enough and quiet enough to pick up the sound and the rhythm of that breathing, you can breathe with the koan. So this is another way of, instead of bringing everything to you and making it part of yourself, you step out and become part of something else. You let the koan breathe not only itself, but breathe you as well. 
with no big agenda, with no big idea, but just to do it and to see what happens when you do. What can you learn about a koan if you spend some time breathing with it? What can you learn about a koan if you sleep with it, if you dream with it, if you bathe with it, if you walk with it, if you argue with it, if you wrestle with it, you know, whatever it is, what, what can happen if you do that and if you let it do it with you? But if you're looking for a place to start, start with breathing. Start just sitting with the koan and seeing if you can pick up the rhythm, the sound, the movement of that breathing, and if you can match it yourself and see what happens when you do. So that's a way of really understanding that I got a really good night's sleep and the sun is warm are equal descriptions of the self in a particular moment. And when we do that, we expand the sense of what our body is from you know, a physical thing or an ensouled thing, a thing that has feelings and likes and dislikes and all of that, to something really quite large. And the koans contain these kinds of bodies as well, beyond the physical or the ensouled. Um, and that might best be evoked, though not described, with a line from the Chinese poet Han Shan, who in one of his poems talked about a tree older than the forest it stands in. A, a tree older than the forest it stands in. It stands in. In. A tree older than, a, than the forest it stands in. That's a body. You know, that's an amazing body. What is that? What is, what is the tree? And what is it like to stand and lean against that tree older than the forest it stands in? What's the perspective from there? What kind of body is that? What kind of body does that reveal about ourselves and about everything else as well? So, um, enjoy the bodies of the koans. Let them bring you out of yourself and into a larger sense of self. Let them breathe you. Let them take you to that forest where it's possible to stand against this ancient tree, which is another way of talking about um, what's in the koan, which is the, the ancient shrine we take shelter in. When show takes shelter from the storm of wind and rain in an ancient shrine, he's leaning back against that tree older than the forest it stands in. So let me use that as a kind of entrance into the koan, and we would love to hear um, how it's been for you, any thoughts you have, questions you have. What's it been like living with this koan for the last 24 hours? These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.